Hello, everybody, and welcome to episode 271 of the Keep Moving Forward podcast with me, your host, Anthony DiDomenico, coming to you live every Monday night, live on Facebook. And as always, the podcast is available at anchor.fm slash KMF podcast, also available on iTunes. And while you're there, please do not forget to five-star rate and review. I love reading the reviews. I love sharing on social media and bragging about the best podcast listeners out there. That's you guys. Hope you guys enjoyed the uh, best of episode last week. I went to the Islander game. Not many things I will miss this podcast for, but the New York Islanders and first time at UBS was one of them. I'll get into it in a later episode. Uh, tell you all about it. You can also catch some of it on the Patreon episode. There's a bonus episode. There will be another one this month over at patreon.com slash KMF podcast. Subscribe, get the bonus episode. Also have the past bonus episodes as well. Built Bar is dropping new flavors. The best tasting protein bar on the market. Check it out. Builtbar.com. Use code Podcast. You will save yourself 10% off your order. While you're in the buying mood, sail away coffee, my favorite nitro brew, local Long Island company. Got to get behind them for that. Also, they ship throughout the whole country. Check them out, sailawaycoffee.com. Use code WWBRO10. You will save 10% off your order as well. A couple of weeks ago, we had my friend Kim on the podcast. We talked about Plexus, the benefits and everything else. If you're interested in it, it's helped me a lot with my acid reflux, my stomach issues. DM me. We'll get you on the Plexus train. Definitely check it out. Also, my buddy John Ziegler recorded his stand-up special, John Ziegler Getting My Affairs in Order. Go to his Instagram page. Give him a follow. It's very rare uh, that we're even talking about him on social media because he hates it. But he got an Instagram page. Check it out. John Ziegler Comedy. Link is in the bio. Check it out. You want to come see me do stand-up comedy? You're in the Princeton, New Jersey area. April 28th and 29th, I'll be at Catch a Rising Star in Princeton, with my good buddy, Ryan Marr. We always have a blast. These shows tend to really, really bring out, like, you know, you can see the dynamic of our friendship. Uh, two guys doing comedy that know each other and inside jokes that will make sense to people in the crowd. So definitely check that out. Go to catcherisingstar.com for tickets. With that being said, I'm very excited to bring my guest on this week, my buddy, Nick. Nick, how you doing, man? For having me. Oh, there you go. I messed up. See, I told you I messed up. I had your mute my mic muted. Nick, how you doing? <laughs> good, good. How's everything going? Thank you so much for having me on. I'm really, really excited for today. No, I'm happy to happy to have you on. Uh, Nick does an awesome podcast called uh, Dark Angel. You can follow him on Instagram, Dark Angel Co. Uh, I was, I guess, on your podcast and blown away by how, you know, the things we talked about, you know, we're very open and honest and kind of like what we do here. And I think it's refreshing, uh, you know, especially you're much younger than I am uh, and you're out there talking about these issues that people are having today. What was kind of the thing that pushed you into doing this podcast? You're like, I got to get this out here. So I started a podcast surrounding mental health as a whole. I'm somebody who struggles with anxiety mainly. Um, I used to struggle with depression and I always had this feeling of, not being, not belonging, kind of being alone. And I always thought to myself, how can I change that? How can I build a community and really get people to come together and realize that we're kind of all in the same boat? You know, we're not alone in our struggles, whether it's anxiety, depression, OCD, whatever it may be, you know, we all have our struggles. And so originally it started out just as a clothing company. I had an artist create two different designs, an anxiety design and a depression design, shedding light on these types of mental health issues. And, you know, I wanted to create another aspect to be able to bring more people along, say if people didn't want to buy anything or, and I was like, huh, a podcast. I love talking. I love talking about myself. I love talking mm -hmm. about other people. So it's a perfect, you know, segue into a podcast. And I started it uh, about a year ago, a little over a year ago, and it, I love it. It makes me so happy. I look forward to doing it every week. And, you know, I never thought I, I would make it this far. I've started filming everything. And just from where I started to where I'm at now is leaps and bounds. And it's, it's such a cool process and such a cool thing to grow a community and 
you know, really interact. And I can tell by what you do, you have such a strong fan base and strong community. It's like these people, they love you. They love watching you. And it's like, I, I, I aspire to be like that. And when we first had our first conversation, yeah. you know, I, I looked up to you and I still do. And I, I really, you know, I really admire what you do. Oh, thank you very much. I appreciate you saying that. Um, you're sparring to be me. You're in the wrong direction. No, I'm um, <laughs> but you know, I, I get where you're coming from, and I, I you're doing a great job with the podcast. I mean, I thank see you. videos you're putting up there. Um, content's great. What you guys are talking about is great. And what I love about it is that you know, you guys are considerably younger than I am talking about this. And I don't know if it's easier for you guys to talk about it or harder. I know for me and you know, guys my age. We didn't talk about at like, you know, 20 something years old, having anxiety, being depressed about things. Um, we were still not that we were like, you know, cavemen, but like we just didn't talk about it. It was something that's almost you had to be like embarrassed about it. And even when I first started really dealing with my anxiety at 38 years old, you know, 39 years old, I was I was embarrassed by it. And I, I still have a little bit of that. You know, you, you tell somebody oh, I had a panic attack. You know, you kind of wait for like the other shoe to drop, like they're going to look down on you or something like that. So for you at a young age to be like, no, I'm 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 taking this head on and I'm going to talk about it. I think it helps so many people. And that's what you're going to see that resonates with with your with people that listen to your show is that you're open, you're honest. And the people that you're having on to tell them those same stories. And I think more now than ever, we need that sense of community. Definitely. Definitely. And, you know, it's so funny you say that, too. So. I'm somebody who, when I was growing up, I had a lot of friends, you know, I had a huge family, we were always together, huge support system. And, you know, people, I, I talk to people now and they're like, you have anxiety, you know, you, you were depressed. And I'm like, yeah, you know, and it's like, it's not from the people that you're always thinking it is. Mm -hmm. So when people kind of say that stuff to me, that's always like, I used to kind of look at that and be like, oh, now they're going to look at me different. I should kind of care about how they think of me. And as time went on, I just stopped really caring what people think. And it's like, you know, I I've had to train my brain really to not let that stuff bother me. I also, I grew up in a house where my mom's someone who's super open. We've had those conversations plenty of times, you know, she's like, look, I think we should go to therapy. You know, you need to work on this stuff. And it, it was a lot easier, you know, yeah. in that aspect. And my dad, he's a, he's an old school Italian, you know? So it's like, they don't talk about their feelings. Oh. And so I've also opened up those conversations where I never thought in a million years, my dad would be talking about his mental health, you know, or I've, I'm having a bad day. I get anxious about this, where those are words I've never heard in his vocabulary. Yeah. And I think it's important what you said, like, you know, people associate mental illness or mental health, anxiety, all this stuff that we talked about, depression, OCD with coming from a troubled past. And coming from, you know, a, a home that maybe wasn't the best. And it's not, there's nothing, some, you know, maybe sometimes it does. Again, I'm not, you know, a specialist on this. But when I, I came from a great home, too. I came from awesome, loving parents, a great support system. Friends were very supportive. It has nothing to do with that. It's your makeup. It's your body chemistry. It's how your brain works. And that you can't control no matter what's, you know, you're in, that you're in this shell and this is it. You can't switch it out for another one. You can't download software to change it. <laughs> You have to learn how to deal with it. And it really is talking about it and having these conversations, I find out, is the best way. Now, I am thick-headed in the way I don't go to therapy. I probably should. Um, my therapy is doing this podcast and talking about it that way. It's probably not the best. Um, but, you know, I I do things baby steps. And yeah. <laughs> eventually I will go back. I've, I've tried it. Yeah. And I don't know if it was me, but I always felt like my therapist didn't believe what I was telling them. Mm -hmm. Like I'm telling that's tough. Like this. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It's insane. You have to find somebody you trust. Exactly. Yeah. And it's like when you don't find that person the first time, then it's a lot harder to go back the second time. And then if that's a reoccurring thing, it's like, why even bother? And it's, it happens a lot, you know? Yeah. I could bless when I went to, she was nice, but she had her dog in the room. And like, as I'm like, I'm sitting here, I'm, I'm crying to you know, like stuff is bothering me. And this dog's like, you know, licking my face. I'm like, oh, yeah. I can't do this. No, this is not helping me like with the situation. It's kind of taking yeah. me out of it. Uh, but, you know, I do have great friends that I, I, I talk to and, and bounce things off of. And, you know, I mentioned John Ziegler, who, you know, that's how we kind of got hooked up. 
Yes. Um, he's my guy that I'll go to to like tell him something and he gives it to me straight. Yeah. You know, I don't want to hear the answer. Like he, that's, that's the guy I go to for that. And, um, and he's a big inspiration for me seeing what he's gone through the, the, these last couple of years, uh, with his cancer battle and everything else and just how he took it head on. And, um, I look to my friends for inspiration. I look to, for them to, to help get me through these things. Um, so you said like in high school, yeah, you know, you, did you play sports in high school? I did. I played baseball, baseball. Okay. So, you know, and again, this, it's a great thing. Like you have these friends and you're in that sense of team, but were they open to the fact of having these conversations and talking about feelings? So it's funny you say that, you know, I've, when I was younger, I would say definitely not. I've always been someone who's pretty like deep with my feelings. Like I've always been in touch and I give all that credit to my mom. She's somebody who's always been like, you know, just let out your feelings. But I never did as a kid. I never, ever did. I was very, you know, closed off. I didn't want to share any of my feelings. And so I was, I was like that with my friends really up until the last year or so when I kind of condensed my circle and, you know, it's people I really trust where now I'm having these conversations and that gave me the ability to have it with anybody. So now I have no problem seeing somebody, you know, a stranger and saying, Hey, look, I'm struggling with this or, you know, are you struggling with something like kind of being that open conversation? That, and again, that's, that's awesome that you could do that. Uh, me, I'm, I'm very still like, it's, it amazes me. I could do a podcast like this because yeah. if, if you met me every day, regular life, if I don't know you, it's a wall. It's yeah. off. and I, I don't, you know, really open up like that. And maybe it's just, you know, my age and, and, you know, how, you know, the time I was brought up in, but like, you know, kids that had that thing were made fun of and they were, you know, it was thought of something wrong with you. And it, and it's not, I, I don't, and I don't look at it that way because it's your brain chemistry and it's just yeah. how, how you, you operate and things. Sometimes you have to do different steps um, but I don't think it makes you any less of a person. Doesn't make you um, weaker in any way. It's just dealing with, you know, different uh, brain waves. Yeah, exactly. And like I, I was always someone too who I, I had a hard time really expressing how I felt. You know, and I was given the ability to do that really from my podcast. Also, you mm -hmm. know, like I. Never, like I said, I didn't really talk about this stuff until a few years ago. And, you know, you also mentioned like podcast is, podcasting is like therapy to you. It's very similar to me. I don't go to therapy anymore. I like it. Like you said, it would definitely benefit me as well. Um, I think I'm in a much better place than I was, but I still have, you know, my things like I got pretty bad social anxiety and that's really where everything stemmed from. Mm -hmm. But I didn't realize that, you know, until I went and got therapy and I really understood what it meant. And, you know, it, it's funny too, similar to what you said, I really have a hard time talking to people when I'm not in my comfortable zone. You know, like I could be in public. If I'm in a comfortable place, I'm in control in a sense. I have no problem doing it. Like in the other day I went into Eisenhower park and I'm going into public and I'm interviewing people based off of, mental health and you know questions like are you happy things like that so i'm going up to random people in the park filming with them and like i would never do that in a million years yeah I and, either. <laughs> yeah and i was like you know what i bought it i just bought a camera too so i can okay. record everything and i was like i'm gonna force myself to do this because it's putting me out of my comfort zone and what i've also learned is you have to be uncomfortable to kind of make progress as annoying as it is because i hate it too i hate change i hate being uncomfortable but something like that makes me extremely uncomfortable but i now have the ability that i've noticed i could go into public and these people aren't going to bite me or scream at me you know like <laughs> all, all these fears they're not going to happen and if they do we'll figure it out you Ooh, know yeah exactly yeah, so, that's crazy that you do that. You actually go in the public and ask people they're happy. I mean, I, I'm trying to yeah. think in my head, like, if somebody came up to me and was like, you happy? Like, go away from me. <laughs> no, I'm not happy. I'm not happy now. You're asking questions. That's, <laughs> and this is crazy because, like, you know, that's the self-defense thing that, like, pops up. It's like, you know, I'm not talking to a stranger about it. 
<laughs> but I mean, you know what? I think now more than ever, that's that's a good thing to do. And do you find that people are open and responsive and want to have a conversation? Yes and no. So I've had people who are like, yes, I really feel like I need to get something off my plate. And they, they wanted to share and you could tell they were passionate about it. And then I also had people who were just like, nope, just wouldn't <laughs> even give me a second. They're like, nope. Like they put the hand up and I yeah. was like, right, whatever. <laughs> and it was rejection, but I had to, you know, I had to, I never dealt with that in yeah. that aspect. So I was like, you know what? All right, it's not that bad. <laughs> no, it's great to do, especially in the age we live in with social media, TikTok, Instagram, where you see a lot of people just going up and, and doing, I'm not saying stupid things, but like, you know, doing something to get clickbait. And here you're actually doing something that's actually helpful and useful and, you know, that could actually help people. Thank you. Um, yeah. So, I mean, it is definitely something I think that, you know, you should keep doing and, you know, forget about, you know, what, you know, you have negativity with, with anything. Um, if you're doing something good or not. I mean, I've had my fair share of it, you know, sharing a lot on social media. Um, you get the blowback, but, you know, you're helping more people than, than you're not helping people. Exactly. Yeah, it's it's funny. So I post on YouTube too. Um, I do my full videos on there. And I also post YouTube shorts. So I'll always get, you know, a few good comments and then I'll get that one that's like, oh, why are you even doing a podcast? <laughs> and, you know, I, I feel like my older self would look at that and take that personal. And now I'm like, oh, that's okay. Like now it's going to get me more views. Like, you know, it's like I try and spin everything to be mm -hmm. positive because everything could easily be looked at negatively. We live in a world where everything around us is yeah. so negative, so negative. And I used to be a victim of that too. You know, I used to look at the glass half empty. And now I'm like, you know what? I'll go fill up my glass. Like I try and, and I'm not always positive. You know, there's some times where my mind gets the best of me, but I try and always be positive. I always try and trick myself into being positive, no matter what it is. That's a good way to be. Absolutely. Yeah. Now, when you played uh, baseball, did it affect like your, your play and all? Like, cause I was a head case. I, if I struck out, I was like, you know, I was slamming the bat. I was, you know, at, and getting in my own head. Did like dealing with anxiety and depression, did that affect your play in any way? So I suffered with depression more from like more middle, my middle school years. Okay. You know, it was like when everything was kind of changing, all these hormones and, you know, I was just, while well, I was going on, I was playing baseball since I'm four years old. So it affected me a little bit. I was a pitcher my whole life also. Um, and when I was on the mound, it was my mound. I was a head case when I was younger. I would always be nervous. You know, I couldn't throw a strike, whatever it was. As I got older, I became a, a relatively dominant pitcher, you know, for the age group. And so I was very confident. So it didn't really affect me there. That was kind of like, almost like my podcasting. Like it was my, my space where I could be me and okay. kind of let everything out. Um, as I got to high school, so this is really where my anxiety kind of started to sprout was when I was in like ninth, 10th grade for baseball. I got injured my sophomore year. It was in October. So I was throwing the ball in October of sophomore year. I was topping out at 86. I was throwing, I was sitting like 84, wow. 83. Yeah. That's, that's really good. And then I blew my arm out. So, okay. um, but prior to that, same thing. I was, I was relatively confident, but then sometimes I would let those intrusive thoughts from my anxiety sometimes set in. And if I wasn't throwing strikes and then I'd be like, all right, now you're not going to throw another strike. And then sometimes in that aspect, yes. But then I would kind of shut my brain off. I've learned to do that also shut my brain off and yeah. just focus on what's the task at hand and kind of move on with there. But once I hurt myself, it was kind of like, it was just downhill from there. I, was topping out 75 my senior year and you know so i went from 86 to 75 where so my passion kind of faded from there so i didn't really have as much i guess love or care for it yeah you know but other than that i think my anxiety affected more of my social life than the because that i i kind of just looked at it like i said is like a comfortable space yeah so yeah, I, I was a catcher. Um, okay. As most fat kids are, they stick <laughs> behind the plate and they put pads on you and block the ball. And I actually enjoyed it. I enjoyed the position. I didn't look at it like that. I always wanted to be a pitcher. Uh, okay. Everybody does. Everybody wants yeah. to be on the mound. I remember, like, I asked uh, 
my dad's friend was a coach. My dad and, and his friend coach a team. And I was like, Mr. Austin, I, I want to pitch. Can, can I pitch? And he's like, Anthony, we're up by 10 in the last inning and the sun's going down. You can pitch. <laughs> it can't happen. I was like, Mr. Yeah. Austin, <laughs> it happened. Like it actually went, I did okay. But yeah, you know, I always wanted to pitch and, and, you know, I was, I was the catcher and, you know, yeah, you know, but it, the sports can be a nice escape until it's not, like you said, yeah. until it's, until it starts interfering with other things. Now you said like social anxiety, which is something that I deal with as well. People like you're a comedian. You should be able to like, no, I'm not a clown. I don't like, you know, come in and start dancing and like, you know, make you know, honking a horn or something. Yeah. Um, I'm a comedian. I can go on stage, which is weird because I can go on stage in front of hundreds of people tell jokes about very personal things, but I walk into a room of strangers and I just close down and I don't interact with people uh, unless I know them. I'm very shy. And people who know me can't, don't believe that. Um, but it's true though. I mean, I, I, this is that social anxiety of it. Now in high school, that's gotta be tough, especially at an age where like, a lot of things that happen. You say like, you know, hormones are raging, you know, you're noticing girls, um, you want to be with popular kids. You want, you know, all these social, all these social pressures. So when did you feel like the walls were closing in on you at all? Or did you, and how did you deal with that? Totally. So my freshman year, um, I went into a new school. So I went to my public school from kindergarten all the way to eighth grade. Oh, you went to a new school. Okay. So yeah. that's even more. Okay. That's so, even harder. <laughs> yeah. My middle school graduating class was like 250 kids. If that, maybe 200. Okay. It was a very small, or yeah, probably around 200. My high school had like 500 or 600 kids in each grade. Okay. So it was 2,400 kids. I knew nobody going. So a lot of kids, you know, they're going in with other kids from their school districts. I was the only one who was going to school. So I knew nobody going in. So that was a little nerve wracking, but I was like, you know what? I'm fine with making friends. I'm fine with talking to people. I was like, you know what? I'm fine. So freshman year, I go in, I'm good. I made a bunch of friends, you know. Um, then later on, January, I, got a girlfriend i'm actually still dating her now or dating five years wow look at yeah you. <laughs> um high school but, students yeah yep yep so five years five years in like three months so congratulations <laughs> thank you yeah um but i kind of like used that i guess as a crutch like i used it as an excuse i never liked going to parties i wasn't a partier that stuff really stressed me out that always gave me anxiety and you know, we didn't go to parties. We didn't, I didn't like to do that. You know, she didn't like to do that. So it just worked, you know, like we both, everything worked. And, you know, so that was kind of a big thing. I, all my friends would be like, Oh, come on, come out, come out, come out. Or after baseball games, whatever it was. And I was like, yeah, yeah, no, no. Like, you know, and I would just avoid it. I, I didn't want to do it. And that was probably, I, I would say one of the more difficult things. Not that I like, and People always say like, oh, you're, you, do you regret it? Do you Personally, no, like I, I wouldn't change it. I, I love how everything turned out. You know, I wouldn't be where I am today if all that stuff didn't happen. You know, and like I said, I got to spend time with people who I wanted to. That wasn't really what I liked doing. I, I'm somebody who likes getting a lot of stuff done. I, I don't like following people. You know, I'm yeah. just... I'm kind of my own, my own free spirit. I like doing what I want to do. And if it's not something I don't want to do, you know, I'm not going to do it. And I kind of live by that. And I, I did that in high school and I had a bunch of people kind of saying stuff to me about it. Like, Oh, why aren't you coming out? You know, and come on, just come out. And, but I never gave in, I guess you could look at it like that. Um, but yeah, that, that was probably one of the harder things in high school, I guess. I was the same way. I, I didn't, I'm not one for parties. A lot of people around, I, I didn't like that either. And people say the same thing. They were like, Oh, I never see you. I'm like, yeah, it's, you know, I, I used to say I'm working. You know, mm -hmm. I, had a, I had a job. I used to yeah. work at Ge Genevieve's uh, in high school. So after, you know, I was like, Oh, I'm working, you know, just an easy excuse. Um, but I didn't like that, that party atmosphere. I didn't like, you know, I wasn't much of a drinker. I'm still not. Yeah. I mean, um, so the kids were, you know, drinking more in high school and, that stuff really didn't get to me. I always like like smaller gatherings, like a couple of good friends just hanging out, you know, going to movies, watching movies, uh, getting something neat. Like that was always my thing. I, I and I'm still not a party guy. Like I still like, I, I can give or take a big crowd. I, I really don't like it. I mean, I'm I, I like just the small small uh, gatherings. 
I think it's, it's quality over quantity. And I agree. I have my group of friends, my close knit. We've been friends for over 25 years. Um, these are guys I met in high school and we have been through everything together and they're, you know, friends, they're family, you know, they become family over, over the years. And that's, you know, that's how I like it. I like, you know, I don't, cause again, to, for me, like when I, when I let somebody in, I let, I let them in and I hope oh, that, that trust is hard for me to just give to people. Uh, so I, I get that in high school, you know, the high school pressure is like, you know, cause that's really what everything's based on is your social status in high school. It's, you know, going to the right parties, uh, certain clothes you're wearing, blah, blah, blah. And like, I never cared about any of that. I, I yeah. really didn't. And now that I'm like in my forties, it's like, the, it's like, yeah, there's no fucks given anymore. It's just, nope. <laughs> it, it is what it is. Yeah. And, and like looking at it, looking back at it, you know, cause I have people tell me all the time, Oh, you're going to regret it. You're going to re regret it. And I'm like, I really won't, you know, like I was doing what I wanted to do, you yeah. know, I was happy. <laughs> so do you look back and kind of regret it in any sense? You know what? Once in a while, just, but yes, it's, it's kind of, yes, no, I don't regret it to the fact I wish I did something else. It's like, but then I remember like, I wouldn't have, I wasn't, every time I tried to do it, I didn't enjoy it. You yeah. regret it in the sense that, you know, you look back at, you know, you see people in high school and you, or you see movies or something and it's like, yeah, I, I but that was not me. Um, I regret it a little bit that way, but then I'm like, yeah, but you were miserable when you tried to do it. Mm -hmm. Like when I tried to go out, I was miserable. Yeah. After a certain time, I wanted to go home. I'm done. Like I was okay. like, you know, and I don't, I, I like, if I want to stay up, I'll stay up doing what I want to do. I just mm -hmm. didn't like being in places for a long time. Um, I was very happy sometimes just being at home, just relaxing, you know? So no, in the way I don't regret it. Like I didn't go to prom. I don't regret that. I didn't have a girlfriend. So it's like, I'm not spending all this money on a tux limo flowers um just to have a picture it, yeah. it wasn't my thing people are like oh you're gonna regret that in 26 years later i don't regret that it's yeah. not a thing for me if i had a girlfriend yeah no problem i would be happy to do it but like it's just i regret other things like me i should have paid attention more and studied <laughs> finished college <laughs> those are regrets i have but yeah not because I, I didn't go to a party in high school that okay yeah. Yeah. And like, it's so funny you say that too. So my school luckily didn't have prom. I would not have wanted to go to my prom. Didn't have prom? No prom. So I, I'm allowed to be a little uh, vulgar on here. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Yes. All right. So 2004. So I went to, um, should I say the school or? You can say the school. Yeah. I went to Kellenberg. Okay. Um, so 2004, this was their last prom. A kid was selling tickets to an orgy. <laughs> And the school found out and they said, you guys will never have prom again. So since 2004, wow. no, problem. <laughs> almost 20 years later. Yeah. Still no prom because some, uh, that's crazy. Yeah. So Wait, was, was the art going after prom orgy? Is that why they did it? Yeah. Or, okay. I mean, <laughs> I, I mean, look up on its own. That's a, yeah. that. that's, a, that's, that's a natural thing. Yeah. Right. He was selling tickets to it. <laughs> Oh, so the, so it's 20 years. They still haven't done a prom. Yep. No prom. So what do they do? They, so they do a, a send off, a senior send off. It's called, you can't invite outside people. It's on a boat. Pants are on. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yep. You have to wear a suit, jacket, talk like, you know, the whole nine. Um, it's on a boat in the city. I think it's like three hours long. It's a dinner and then that's it. <laughs> you, want orgy, you got to swim to shore. So yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's uh, a little more work. <laughs> exactly wow, that's crazy i didn't even know that you know it's funny um a friend of my teacher's there and, oh okay yeah a childhood friend who and, you don't you don't have to I'm gonna say it all. i'll tell you okay. afterwards yeah. um i don't know if you were you were there when he was there uh, okay. been. um but it's it's crazy i i didn't think that i thought every school had prom you know because we used to do prom shows okay um when i was coming when i first started in comedy okay took any gig you can get and yeah. prom shows were the absolute pits Okay. So the whole season of prom, there was only you know you would always have one good show. There'd be one that just like was like the rest were miserable. It was just like the kids didn't want to be there. And I and like it was because I would talk to some of the teachers and they'd be like, Yeah, we do this, so the kids don't go drinking, they don't go do this. I'm like, Yeah, they don't want to be here. They want to after prom, they want to go bang their girlfriend, yep. they want to go drink, they want to go do everything you're supposed to do at prom. 
Uh, they don't want to sit here and listen to a comedian talk about how small his penis is, and how nobody wants to sleep with them. Yeah, um, they have plenty of time for that. They'll they can hear that later on. And you know, it, I I get it now. Like yeah, so it's they were trying to control it even then. Like you know, it was always a thing. It's funny. One of the guys that uh, hangs out at the cigar lounge I hang out at, I actually performed at his prom show. Oh, yeah, he told me about it. I was like, oh my god, those are the worst. He goes, yeah. He goes, some people like fall asleep. People would fall asleep. They would sneak booze in. Like it was always a mess. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. So and no so me, and my girlfriend went to two different schools. So she had prom and I of course went, you know, okay. it's not like it was my first choice, but I had to kind of, you got to go. Exactly. I had to, it was for her, you know, it's not always about me. So I had to, you know, just get kind of past my anxiety. It was very uncomfortable for me at first. You know, I, my brother's not, the opposite of me. He's like a social butterfly. That's just funny. Mind. Like, you know, and, my brother was in 10th grade and a senior ex into the prom. So he was like, you know, he lived, he lived a good, good high school life, yeah. but he was always like that. He was voted life of the party as seniors okay. relatives. Like even now he likes to go out and have fun. Like it's just, it's two different. And it's, it's funny how like people come from the same parents mm -hmm. and it's that opposite. And my mom always said it was because, so when I was born, I was the first born. She was very young. She was 23 years old. She was very nervous being a new mom and like didn't let anybody touch me or anything. She, like, you know, was, she said by the second kid, I would have given to a stranger just to get like a minute piece. Like, so it's like, you think about it, like how people's makeup is like, I was already very comfortable at home, very comfortable hanging around with my mom, my dad, you know, my parents. Mm -hmm. Um, And, you know, growing up, it wasn't, I needed to go out. My brother was always at right away out. He was, yes. you know, uh, so it, you, you said your brother's like that. Yeah. So, yeah. I'm older. My brother, he's 18. He'll be 19 in August. So I'm somebody who can talk to anyone, right? I'm outgoing, but I'm mm -hmm. very introverted where he's the opposite. He's very quiet. But then when he goes out with his friends, he's the life of the party. That's my brother. That's my, somebody said to me the other day, because my brother owns a deli, Finn's Deli in Massapequa. Okay. Oh, cool. And my friend goes, my friend goes in there all the time and he goes, your brother is like, like pulling teeth talking to him i'm like he's not like that believe me he's very tall very funny i said he's like shy a little bit like in like mm -hmm. your brother i'm like yeah i go i go it comes off like he's being a dick but he's not he's the nicest guy he does everything for everybody yeah um but you get him out a couple of bud lights having a good time and yep. he's the life of the party exactly and it's the same with my brother he's yeah. the life of the party you know you get him like we'll have family parties whatever it is and he's the life of the party but other than that he's very quiet you know, he keeps to himself for the most part, but then, you know, so it's like, it's funny. We always say, have a joke, like in my family, we're like my brother, like you said, it's pulling teeth, talking to him. But then when he's out with his friends and I see it because it's my brother, you know, so we're so close in age. We're a year and a half apart. And my mom and dad are like, Oh, he's so quiet. I'm like, he is not quiet. Not at all. Well, that's, I used to do a joke with my brother. Like I'd say, Hey, you know, I, I, because when I started doing comedy, you know, people from that knew him and knew me, they would come to shows like, hey, tell Mike I said hi. I played football with him. Like, Mike, uh, so and so said hi. But I don't know. Like, no, no, he said he played football. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. No, Mike, you, yeah, like I said, he's like, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. And I, but that's, but you get him in a party situation. He is a blast. He's the, yep. he's cracking jokes. It's funnier than I am. I mean, I'm the yeah. comedian, but he, like, when I first said comedy, he's like, how are you going to do comedy? Because it'd be funny to be comedy. Not funny. Because he was always the one that was that got to laugh. Yep. That's like my brother. It's the yeah. same thing. And when I was younger, I I always used to try and be the funny one. You know, so sometimes I'd get laughs and he would have no effort, crack a joke, everybody would laugh. You know, it was just like the little zings right in there. Yeah. And it's him. It's so like, funny. Even today, I walked in. I, I took off today because I always take off the Monday after WrestleMania. I'm a big wrestling fan. You have to. And, yeah, because I'm up late. It's, you know, and then I was miserable with the ending. And I, <laughs> I, I saw your story. I was like, oh, no. <laughs> it was so true. I mean, I mean, this is, I was laughing because I was so, I, I was so angry about this ending. And I'm laughing to myself. I'm like, I'm 43 years old. This is still getting to me. It's like, I'm six years old again. And I'm like, I'm like I had the same reaction when Hogan lost the warrior. Like, I'm, I'm like, sitting here. Like, Are you kidding me? It's like, it's 30 something years later. I'm still having these same reactions. And so I went in today and he goes, uh, hey, what's the matter? He goes, uh, the ending of WrestleMania was too traumatic. And it's a day off. I'm like, yeah, actually it was. I had it. I had a, I needed a day. I needed a day. <laughs> oh, 
<laughs> that is awesome. Yeah, like my nephews grew out of it already. They're they're nine and eight. Yeah, they're, <laughs> yeah. they're, they're, they're too old for it already. Like, because when, <laughs> when my brother's house is being redone, and when I lived in my old place, I used to rent the bottom part of the house for my dad. So my brother and his wife and the kids were living upstairs with them while the house was being redone. My nephews would come down. We watch it all the time. They were into it. As soon as like they got away from like not every day, they lost interest in it. Really? Like, yeah. Everyone's like, yeah, they grew up. They're, they're, they're children like you are. Um, but yeah, no, I, I get into it. It's and I That's was awesome. I was very upset. That is end. awesome. And my <laughs> friends, you know, they know they my friends like wrestling. They were like, you know, they baiting me. Yeah. And my buddy Ryan Marr, who I'm going to be at uh, Catch Rising Star with, was you know telling me how why it was the right ending. So I called him. Let me tell you a couple, three things about this ending. And I got like all fired up when I was telling him about it. <laughs> yeah, no, I wasn't, I wasn't happy with the ending. <laughs> I, I've never watched any, uh, like wrestling or any, any of that stuff. We never uh, got into that when we were younger. Yeah, we did. Like, you know what it was like when I was a kid. Um, so you had Saturday morning cartoons mm-hmm. and then WWF superstars was on. It was WWF then. Okay. And that's how I got into it. I used to watch it every Saturday morning after cartoons. You sit there with your cereal and I, you know, I got really into it and my parents would take us to the shows and about like around probably like middle school to beginning of high school, I kind of got away from it a little bit. And then when the NWO and Stone Cold really got popular, I was like, oh my God, this is amazing. Okay. And I got, I got back into it again. And then, so it's been since I'm like 19 years old, I've been, I've been really like into it. So it's over 20 years now. Wow. That's awesome. And some people don't think so. <laughs> it's, uh... hey, hobbies are so important. You know, I'm like, so I go through phases. I'm somebody who gets obsessed with things mm-hmm. and that's all I do. So baseball was my obsession when I was younger. Once I got hurt, you know, I couldn't really play anymore. So I still played varsity. You know, I, I Yankees still are a Mets fan. Yankees. Okay, good. I was gonna end the podcast oh, yeah. right here. If you said Mets, I was gonna end it right here. But good, we can keep going. I, I have some cool stories about the Yankees. I, I could get into them later if you if you want. Yeah, um, but so throughout high school, like I said, the first two years I was always obsessed with baseball. Then once I got hurt, I couldn't really play. I still was on the team, you know, but I was I was always injured. And then so my soft, uh junior year. I had a teacher, a music class. I was I've never been interested in music. He sat down one day and he played Furley's. I got, I was like starstruck. I was like, wow, I want to go home and learn how to play Furley's on the piano. Yeah. So I got home and I got obsessed with playing the piano. So I've never like taken lessons or anything. I started to teach myself how to play piano. I wound up teaching myself Moonlight Sonata by Beethoven, you know, like wow. the first, the first, uh, part of it and yeah i got obsessed i was playing it every day i learned clocks i learned a a few songs and and then i got kind of bored of it so my uncle he's a really good chess player and i've never played chess not not even when i was younger and i was like you know what i'll give it a try so i started playing in december of 2021 i got obsessed i was playing like eight hours a day for like six months eight months i got into like the top three or four percent in the world of chess players yeah. we were doing tournaments yeah it was it was nuts I, I became obsessed and then after after that i got obsessed with computers so i was building computers stuff like that then i um i got obsessed with golf so that's that's my obsession okay. right now golf and podcasting so um, not bad obsessions yeah <laughs> so I, i'm you know, I'm doing golf. I caddy, so I work. I, I'm in school right now. Still, I I'm studying for my real estate license. So I've just got a whole bunch of things I'm doing. So it always keeps me busy, and I ju- I just kind of make sure my hobbies are there. They're important. <laughs> no, it is. It's, it's important to have uh, releases and outlets, especially for the mental aspect of it. Like we talk about mental health. I mean, my thing. People, you know, I don't. It's not healthy. I smoke. So I'm a cigar guy, and I I go down to the cigar, and people are like, oh my god, you shouldn't do. It. I'm like, you know what? I don't drink. I don't do drugs. Um, exactly. I like to sit in a place and watch a, a sport. I watch games like the Yankee games or the Islander games, and just relax and just like, like you know, let the because I do. I get I get stressed out very easily. Um, especially at work, I get I go from zero to hundred very quickly. Uh, I get somebody on the phone that's not being cooperative. And it's like, and I mm-hmm. I do. I need to relax a little bit, and I need to just unwind and laugh and, and joke around. 
and that's like kind of my release and the, the podcast too and comedy was that as well um but no i i do i can get like you know wrapped up in things and and pro wrestling is one of those things too i just i i lose myself in it like we had it on last night at the lounge they they put it on because i was i was gonna watch it on my ipad mm-hmm. and then like, oh, put it on the tv and like this one guy was just like you know that's the thing when you tell somebody you you like pro wrestling well the first thing they want to do is tell you everything how it's not real i'm like yeah i know that it's a show <laughs> yeah, I, yeah. Like, I, I understand this. Like, I understand what it is. And I'm like, but it's realer than you think. I said, my buddy of mine's a pro wrestler, my, buddy, my friend Dan Barry, who actually was on WrestleMania night one. Cool. He, he was one of the security guys that walked uh, Dom Mysterio to the ring. And I knew nothing about it when I saw it. I, I was I was so happy for him. Like, I almost teared up, like, watching it. Like, it's, That's so cool. He's been wrestling for 20 years. And, you know, I he's been up and down the road and on the independent circuit. So they're really the guys who are in it every day. And the guy was like, every, he's like, he's trying to debunk everything. And I'm like, okay, just, it's a show. I'm like, you don't watch like the Sopranos and like, oh, he really didn't shoot him in the head. Okay. That's a real boy. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I get it. Like it's, it's a TV show like anything else. And it's a scripted show and I get it. And, and I said to him, I'm like, yeah, I, I just enjoy it. He goes, what do you enjoy about this? It's not sports. I go, no, they're athletes. And I enjoy the physicality of it. I enjoy what the moves they do. And it's just a release. It's something fun. I could just turn my mind off and watch something and like, exactly. but like and people i think do that with anything that, that you like that they don't jive with mm-hmm. you know like you know i, I it's you know with chess too people like oh chess that's a stupid game it's a you know, it's old man game and i'm like no it's actually it'd be very smart to play it yeah i, play yeah. Checkers. I can't play chess I, you know, yeah. I can't play checkers <laughs> it's so funny like my friends so they're all like nick you're such a rare breed you know like <laughs> They're all going out to bars. I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm sitting in my room playing chess. Like, you know, you know, it's like, and, you know, I was, I went to the driving range with my, my buddy yesterday and, you know, we, we're sitting there talking. So I'm, I'm studying finance right now. So I, I'd like to go into investment banking, something okay. like that. You know, it's, I know it's very hard, but that's kind of like the route I'm, I'm hopefully going to go down. And, you know, he, he was just talking about like him going to the bar the other night and he's like, and you're talking about getting an investment banking job, you know, talking about all these technical things. And he's like, yeah, he's like, you know, I love you, man. Like, you know, we were just like, it was just so funny. (laughs) You know, we were just like, it's just, it's just so funny. Like, and, but that's somebody who's close to me where he's not like shitting on me for the things I like, you know, he's encouraging it. And exactly. You know, how old are you, but if you don't mind me asking, I'm 20. So you're 20 years old. Okay. Yeah. So they, yeah. So you, you talk about things that a 20 year old would do. Yeah. <laughs> Being passionate about investment banking, golf, <laughs> and all is you know, chess. But again, you have to find stuff that makes you happy. Yep. And you know, like too, like when I was 21, I used to go out with my friends to bars. I hated it. I absolutely hated it. I didn't mm-hmm. want to, but I wanted to hang out with my friends. This is what they do. And I used to count, they used to want to they used to say the closing. So 3 a.m. we were there too. I used to count down the minutes. I'm like, I can't wait to get out of here. Cause then we go to a diner and sit and hang out. And that's what I like. That was yeah. the fun part to me was just sit and hang and talk with my friends. And whenever the clocks would change like an hour ahead, you get that extra hour. I those are my worst nights. Cause I'm like, I have to be here now an extra hour. Mm-hmm. And they never wanted to leave early. They never wanted to do anything. And I would just be miserable the whole night. And I can countless New Year's Eve's ball would drop. I was out. Mm-hmm. That was it. We were at Mulcahy's, which is to me still like I have like flashbacks of being at Mulcahy's, being miserable. <laughs> um, and it's just like I didn't like that scene. And yeah. the bars I did like to hang out with were bars like back in the day was Effing Groovin in Belmore, which is now American Beauty, uh, because they had like tables and you could sit and have a. I used to like just hang out and laugh and joke and have a good time. I didn't like the whole uh, club music playing and you're just standing there and you're like, what? Why are you like you're doing this? And it's just that wasn't my scene. So I get it, man. And listen, good for you for like, you know, just sticking to your guns and doing what you want to do. Thank you. Yeah. I'm the same way. I don't like all that commotion. I'd rather sit down and have a conversation with somebody and, you know, be able to, like you said, just laugh, have fun. And in that way, that's that's fun for me. You know, I think that's why I gravitated towards comedy so much as far as even just the hang of it, because with comedy, you know, the green room is you're in the green room with other comics. You're saying the worst things to each other because it's because of comics do. But it's that thing. It's just sitting down. You're, you're, hang, you're hanging around a bunch of, you know, uh, fellow comedians. And then afterwards, what's open the diner? We go hang out at the diner. We'd sit and, you know, and that's how really I became close with Ziegler. It was like, you okay. know, I met him my first night doing comedy. 
And we became friends real fast. And it was that because we were constantly going to the same mics and this and that. And like, so I have my friends from high school and then I have my comedy friends. And I kind of like, they kind of mean the same to me because we went through a lot of the same things. So with high school, it's that whole thing you're going through with high school and afterwards and whatnot. And then with comedy, we were going through the same thing. We were, you know, dealing with getting hitting open mics, getting avails, getting booked and all that stuff. So you go through all that with them and there's that closeness. But I think that's why I always liked, you know, for me, comedy was my my outing. Like after the shows, I want to go home. I want to realize yeah. that was it. That's how I unwind. I'm the same way. I, I hear you. Like I it's so funny too. Even you say with like the new year with New Year's, like God. once that ball drops, I'm out. And like we normally have people at our house. So we normally do a big New Year's party, yeah. which I hate. So many people. <laughs> I'm like, and I have to be there because you know, like normally I would be in my room. I come down for like 11:55, you know, if like whatever, I was hanging out with my cousins, whatever it is. And then now we're all at the age where it's like, no, we're it's respectful to be downstairs with everybody. And yeah. so it's like I can't just, you know, leave. But you know, once the ball drops, I'm like, all right, I'm going to bed. <laughs> you know, that's it. Yeah, I, I work most New Year's, uh, New Year's Eve. It's a big, okay. it's one of the biggest comedy nights. Um, we, when we get paid a lot more, but okay. it's comedy shows on New Year's Eve are a big thing. Interesting. Um, yeah, so. I like I do so the last few years I've been doing uh the this guy Tommy who owns a comedy works up in in Albany near Albany in Saratoga Springs he does like a night of comedy where he has like five different venues all doing shows at once so I'll always be at one of those venues and how it is up there is that everything ends about 11 and then they go to like restaurants and bars for the, the ball drop I love this I'm in my hotel room by 11:30 <laughs> under the covers that's amazing. Snack and a drink. And I'm like, I'm waiting for the, and once the ball drops, I go to bed. I wake up the next morning early. Upstate, they have Stewart's coffee, which is my favorite. I get okay. a Stewart's coffee, egg sandwich, and I drive home. It is perfect. It is absolutely perfect. I don't need any more. Otherwise, you know, Long Island, around here, we were on stage for the ball drop and do the countdown. But even that's not bad because I leave afterwards. <laughs> okay. That's nice. <laughs> yeah. No, it's, 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 it's different. You know, I never liked the whole, New Year's Eve and then hanging out afterwards and like, you know, not my, yeah. and it's, you know, and people try to make you feel like different for it, but it's not my thing. Yep. I'm, I, it's so funny. Like I, and that's also stuff like I, I really just stopped caring, you know, like I'm like, let me care about what I think, you know, and that's really all that should matter. And look, don't get me wrong. Nobody likes to be disliked and nobody likes to be talked about, but I I've learned to kind of just, ignore it if that makes sense and that yep. that's another example of it you know no that's the best way to be you know um being your own stuff and listen to find that and be comfortable with that 20 years old is a good is an important thing you know especially and i you know especially everything you've come to grips with and dealt with as far as with your mental health and everything that's only going to be a plus for you going forward you know you got seem like you got you what you want to do mapped out and everything and that that's good because like you know i didn't find comedy till I was 30. I've always wanted to do it. I didn't have, you know, the guts to do it. You know, you, you tell people you want to do it and they kind of laugh at you like, I can't, that's not possible. And it, it was possible. I, you know, I'm not famous or anything. I don't have a big career, but you know, I've done things that probably people never thought I would do. I've opened for people, you know, that are world famous now. I've opened for, for Sebastian Maniscalco. Um, yeah, that's cool. I work with Dave Coulier from Full House. Wow. Uh, so like, you know, all these guys that came through, you know, these famous people that people are like, Oh my God, like Jim Brewer and those guys, like I've worked with them. I've been, I've shared a stage with these guys, Kevin James. Um, and to think like, you know, at 20 when I really wanted to do it and you would tell somebody about it and they would just ridicule you about it. I'm like, no, you can't do that. This and that. No, it's possible. Just, you, you have a goal, you, you, you work for it, you shoot for it and you can attain it. And it's like that with podcasting. It's like that with anything else. And you're building a great brand. Thank um, you. The podcasts are great. You know, you put a good message out there. Like I said before, it's, it's, I think it's important at your age to really talk about that too, because we're coming out of a time where I think people need it more now than ever, you know, especially dealing post COVID where I think people's mental health is more damaged than ever before being locked away for three years and now coming out into the real world and dealing with this all again, there's a mm -hmm. lot of fears and anxieties. Um, do you get that from people like just talking about post COVID or is it just not something that you guys are really dealing with? Oh yeah. Yeah, definitely. I have a lot of people, even just 
personally, like I have people come up to me and say, you know, like after COVID, my life really changed. I've had people where they didn't even realize that it was from COVID, but Mm -hmm. then they wound up figuring out later on, like my life completely changed because of COVID, you know? So it was like a lot of people, you know, just one example. I know somebody who developed a mental health issue. It was in them from when they were little, but it sprouted through COVID. And, you know, the therapist said it most likely wouldn't have actually shown itself if COVID didn't happen. But all those pressures and all those anxieties, it really forced it out in that person. And, you know, that that's just one example of that. But yeah, I've had many people come up to me, even still, like, they're like, you know, I still have a hard time leaving my house. I still am nervous, you know, and it's like, it really, it changed the world. It really it, did. Absolutely. And I think from where I looked at it as, um, and I, cause I was in the middle of my weight loss journey and, you know, going to the gym a lot, these things stopped. It was okay. Gyms are shut down. Oh, just Uber eats everything to your house, you know? So they, ba- oh, binged. And these shows now were all available. First scenes of, you know, sit in your house 12 hours a day and eat and binge watch stuff and not deal with the world. And when you did turn on the news, all they did was tell you, if you left your house, you're going to die, you know? So yeah, it's going to have an effect on people. And then now when you're putting everything buddy back into the wild again, there's a lot of social anxiety, a lot of fears with it. And I think that's the long term. I think that's the biggest effect that it's going to have on us. Now I'm not, you know, again, people can have their political views about what it was and this and that, it was a real thing. It happened. People got sick. People unfortunately lost their lives. I know people who have personally, I've lost friends. Um, so I, I it's and dealing with that too. I mean, you're people weren't able to grieve the way they wanted to. You lost, you couldn't, the funerals weren't the same, yep. you know, wakes weren't the same. Everything was everything we knew and everything we were taught and how to deal with something. It was affected in a way, oh, you know, yeah. like if you, you know, when people passed away, you know, not everybody can go to the wake because there was only a certain amount of people in, in the place. So like, you know, for me, that's a big part of, of dealing with grieving. Like when my uncle Joe passed away, I couldn't make it down to the wake. Um, I couldn't get, you know, it just was, didn't work out. I had to fly to South Carolina. Then my dad and my, my brother went. And to me, it's, it's a part of me sometimes that thinks he's still there because I never dealt with that, you know, and then you kind of deal with it all over again. That, that person's not there. It, it does help going through the process. The reason why we do these things, you know, is sometimes we don't like it and it sucks, but mentally you have to process it a certain way. And I think that's where everything's now coming out that we didn't process things the way we were taught and we're kind of learning all over again. And I think that's going to have the biggest effect on us. Yeah, totally. I mean, I even see it in school. Like we had a pause for three years, mm-hmm. you know, where, not as much was expected of you. And so now I'm going back into school and it's like, you know, my friend was telling me, he said 75% of kids in Hofstra, I go to Hofstra, 75% of kids are really struggling now compared, like they're doing 75% worse, something like that than what they were uh, pre COVID. But you know, it's having an effect everywhere. And like, even interactions with people, everything's different. Everything. I went. I went to Hofstra. Oh yeah, yes, you did. Oh, yeah. yeah. Uh, my mom worked there. She yeah. was. She loved Hofstra. I told you about. She has got a bench there and everything. It's. Yep. Yeah, she's. Uh, she was Miss Hofstra. She. She absolutely loved that place. So I, whenever I hear Hofstra, it's like you know, it's like a sign or something. Yeah. Um, but no, yeah, school was different. Everything was different. You know, work was different. People don't. You know, people more work from home now. I hated it. And we had a, we worked from home a few weeks out of it because, um, you know, somebody thought they were exposed. And then like, you know, when it first happened, we all went home for a couple of weeks. Like they said to do, I was miserable working from home. I hate, I yeah. hate, I had a, I, have, I like my routine as much. As I don't like, you know, no one likes to get up early and go to work, but to me, it breaks up my day. I get up, take my shower, I get ready for work, drive into work. That drive home helps a lot. I would find myself like, you know, I started 7.30, 7.20, I'm rolling out of bed, pop my computer on, and now I didn't even, like, decompress. I wake up, and now I'm, I'm working. Mm-hmm. And then, like, I didn't take my shower and get ready for the day till like, 4.30 when we stopped work. So, like, it was just, like, I was out of my routine, and I didn't like it. I absolutely did not like it. It was not fun for me. I, I People love working from home. I would never do it. If I, I 
like the whole going into the office and actually uh, feel like I'm getting something done. Yeah. Yeah. And it's like, even with that, I, like I said, I'm somebody who likes being home. So it, you know, just completely enabled me to stay home. You know, I still was working out. I was still like getting exercise and whatnot, but I didn't have to go anywhere. So th this was awesome for me. You know, my senior trip got canceled. I loved it. You know, it was like, <laughs> I was like, all right, this is awesome. You know, so all this stuff was just like, you know, I didn't have to do anything. Yeah. And some parts are good. Like not, you know, not to see people if you don't want to, yeah. you know, not to touch people, interact with them. That, that, that stuff. Like, I was been training for that my whole life, but um, no, definitely. It definitely, you know, affected things I wanted to do. Like comedy stopped and I got, I got, I went into a, a big depression when that happened. Really? Um, well, yeah, because my comedy anniversary happened that that month. It was it's March 31st. Okay. And that was the first time I wasn't on a stage for that time. And I, I really threw me into a, a little funk for a couple of months. Just not, you know, not dealing with that. Like my because like you said, I had my routines. I would work, you know, a few nights a week. I had shows weekends. I had shows. And then all that ended. And it was a new life and dealing with things. And I don't adapt to change very well. I don't like change. I don't deal with change well. And I had to deal with a lot of change very quickly. Yeah. And I, I'm similar to, I'm not good with change at all. So it really like, it crippled me almost, you know, like yeah. for lack of better words, but it, it really, and then when everything, you had to go back to normal, then it was like, whoa, you know, it was like, did the world just stop or like and there, yeah there was no uh there was no ease back in it was okay there we go yeah back to the right back into it <laughs> whoa we're going like, like zero to, to 60 in, yeah in two seconds um which is not good either we and that was both ways it was everything halted and everything catapulted it was yeah. uh so yeah and that's what i think the biggest change will be going forward is is dealing with with the after effects of that and it's more the the mental side of it so like I said, podcasts like yours, podcasts like this, where people come on, talk about things, talk about real life situations is important. And please tell everybody where they can find your podcast and how to get to it. So uh, the podcast is called The Dark Angel Podcast. It's on Spotify, iTunes. Um, I believe it's also on Amazon. Um, you could also find it on YouTube. I film them. And you could find the link. It's darkangelco.com is my website. Everything's linked there. You could also look it up in the apps, the Dark Angel podcast. And yeah, everything is there. If you want to check out the website, my socials, everything, give us a follow. That would be really, really helpful. Um, and yeah, Dark Angel Co. is the Instagram, YouTube, TikTok. And then our website is darkangelco.com. I'm really, I'm really gonna, you know, push everybody to go there, check it out. If you enjoy this podcast, you're gonna enjoy that one, and it just, it's another one to add to the rotation where you're gonna get some of that, uh, those good vibes and and positive energies that I think we need more now than ever. And um, I, Nick, I want to thank you for coming on the show today. Uh, I really appreciate you doing this. Awesome talking to you again. Uh, like I said, I apologize. We had a, I was supposed to be on yours, and, um the joys of getting a new car have been uh, miserable and magical, <laughs> uh, you know, we're dealing with the, this dealership, but, um, well, hopefully I, I'll definitely be able to come on soon and yes, and we can have another conversation, but, uh, again, thank you so much for coming on and everybody, please go check out Nick and, um, hopefully we'll have you on again soon. Definitely. Thank you so much for having me. I, no I really, I really appreciate it. Thanks, man. I appreciate you coming on. All right, everybody. I want to thank you all for joining me here on episode 271 of the Keep Moving Forward podcast with me, your host, Anthony DiDomenico. As always, the podcast is available at anchor.fm slash KMF podcast. Also available on iTunes. And while you're there, five-star rate and review. I love reading them, sharing them on social media, and bragging about you guys, the best podcast listeners. We are played in and out each week by Hollow and their single, Something to Believe. My best friend, Nick, wrote this song. Check it out on iTunes. And while you're there, his new band, Demon Scar, they're dropping new music like crazy. Also have three songs in the new horror movie, uh, The Forest Hills, starring Edward Furlong. And I always get this wrong. Shelly Duvall? I think it's Shelly Duvall. I messed up last time. I'm probably going to get that wrong. I think it's Shelly Duvall. <laughs> I'm sorry if I messed it up. Anyway, Edward Furlong's in it. Check it out. Demonscar.bandcamp.com. Only one place to go for your deli needs. That's Finn's Deli. 
finsdeli.com 4646 Merrick Road in Massapequa. Tell my brother Mike you heard the plug on the show and then get yourself an Uncle Cheese, the best sandwich out there. Not because it's named after me. It really is that good. Check it out. finsdeli.com Once again, I want to thank everybody who joined us here on Facebook Live. Everybody listening at home on your podcast, listening devices. This is episode 271. Have a great week. I will talk to you later.